Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Nintendo Fun Club with your host, the Wizard and the Bruiser. Oh my God, Ridley just blew my brains out. <laughs> Wowzers! <laughs> Don't forget to check the Family Computer Monthly for more secret tips and magic passwords. <laughs> hey, everybody! I'm the Big Fun Wizard, Holden McNeely, and I'm the Bruiser, Jake Young, and we're here to talk about a lovely, fun family game from the Nintendo Corporation. That's right. In this episode. Feels so good. We're talking about Metroid, everybody. Of course, this is our we. You know, we we did an episode on Castlevania. If you haven't heard that yet, um, check out last week. But uh, and we decided, you know what, we can't have an episode of Castlevania without then having an episode of Metroid. Thus, finishing out the old name the famous of the genre, genre Castlevanioid. <laughs> Castlevaniaid. Um, Metroid. Uh, I. Pl- Reviewing this uh, for notes, I realize, holy shit, I've played and, like, loved, <laughs> like, almost every single one of the games in this franchise. Well, it's just like the sparseness of tone in the music itself, just like the the weird kind of desolation. Metroid itself is a bizarre franchise in that sense. It's just one game every, like, ten years, and people are still screaming for a new uh, 2D side-scroller Metroid since, you know, Super Metroid, essentially, even though they do have Metroid Fusion, which we will talk about later. Yeah, it's it's kind of this weird dichotomy because Metroid is not popular in Japan. It just is. Yeah, it not was at all. Not, it did even, not make an impact. Even Super Metroid, which is, uh, you know, arguably one of the greatest games of all time. At least the most revolutionary. Mm. Um, the fact is, is that this is a Japanese team from a Japanese company that made this weird thing that, like, at the end of the day, it's not, like, really their passion project, but all these screaming whiteys keep begging for it. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, they don't usually go out of their way. And then sometimes they do go out of their way and that investment doesn't quite pay off. Mm. I feel like one of the things that makes Metroid amazing is the fact that tonally, if you look at the original like golden Nintendo lineup, there's uh, Super Mario Brothers, there's The Legend of Zelda, there's Gyromite, you know, legendary superpower game Gyromite that you need the <laughs> Rob robot for. Right, uh, yes, Gyromite, the game that on all the kids' lips mm-hmm. that they were all screaming about. Gyromite. They were like, Dad, I want an NES <laughs> so that I can play the co- the classic game, now oh, immediately classic <laughs> game, Gyromite. I mean, I remember when I was over at my friend Ben's house, and like we would just stay up all night playing Gyromite, and like, oh, man, you know, he'd always give me player two, but I, I poisoned his dog. I always say, Jake, what do you want to do for the next episode? And Jake goes, Gyromite. And I'm like, D- I can't, we cannot do it yet, all right? It's your Dark Souls. I get it. You know what? We but we got to hold off. We got to really put our time in for that one. But if you think of the like, you know, the bouncy Super Mario theme or like the epic Legend of Zelda theme, like these are all fun kind of bouncy games from Shigeru Miyamoto. We've talked a lot about Shigeru Miyamoto's influence on Nintendo. Oh my God! Enough with Miyamoto. Everything Miyamoto. Well, that I... was R and D three. That was the three group that within uh... Nintendo's development house. Oh no! I'm, yeah, wait. Yeah, R and D three, also known as the EAD group, which was 
basically yeah. oh, okay yes yes mm-hmm. put together specifically because the company was like hey this Miyamoto guy is like a cheerful elf that keeps making hits let's give him his own play space but R&D1 yes. was an entirely different crew uh, headed by Gunpei Yokoi. Yes, Gunpei Yokoi, um, who created the Game & Watch, which would go on to kind of inspire the uh, the Game Boy. He was the original designer of the Game Boy. And guys, this is the most important thing to know about this motherfucker. Motherfucker created the D-pad. <laughs> motherfucker created the D-pad, the most quintessential item on a video game controller. Gunpei Yokoi, this dude made it. Not only did he make that, he made the goddamn Game Boy. Boy, this guy, I can't believe this guy. Even before that, he made like just physical toys for Nintendo. So when you think of Nintendo as this like as this weird hybrid of toy company and computer company, it's a lot of Gunpei, Gunpei Yokoi's influence that actually made that happen. But R&D Team One didn't make Mario. They didn't make Zelda. They made what? What's happening? I'm scared now. Why is it? There's just nobody on this planet. I'm all alone? Just a bunch of scary monsters. I'm all alone! Dad? <laughs> Mom? Me, a definitely male space adventurer is all alone. I'm gonna grow up to rob a bank. <laughs> I said that I did. I don't know where it came from. I don't know where it came from. Uh, so... A lot of people consider Metroid to be kind of a weird hybrid because it involves yes. the exploration and uh, item gathering of Legend of Zelda. But and- it has the platforming of Super Mario Brothers, and that is what makes us two partners complete. <laughs> what? We just finished each other's sentences oh, like, okay. a, like a young couple. Oh, good, good, good. Um, Yeah, I just, uh, it, it, it was like a perfect blending of that. Well, I mean, the original Metroid, Jake, did you actually play the, I've tried, I've gone back out of morbid curiosity and worked through some of it, but actually that's one of the original Nintendo games that I, I have never been able to complete. It. It's so, it's such a blueprint of what the later games would be that I would become so addicted to. Yeah, it's um, I tried playing it as a kid and just found it just a little bit too difficult. Uh, you know, it leaves a lot to, like, logic and intuition, and, you know, it's not indecipherable, but it required just a little bit more faculties than I was capable of. In fact, I remember, like, the opening thing of Metroid is, you know, you lower down into the cavernous, uh, what's what's the, uh, Zeb, Zebes? Zebes? Zebes. You go down to Zebes. And- Where the space pirates keep their base. And obviously, the first thing you do is go right, because that's what you do in a Nintendo game. You go right. And uh, I remember hitting, like, the wall, and you can't crawl through the opening. And the very idea that I would somehow have to go back to actually get the morph ball, was that was already too difficult. That yeah. already blew my tiny child yeah. brain. Yeah, was like, what? And they're not going to tell you anything about anywhere of how to get this thing? <laughs> it was incredibly intimidating. You know, now that I think about it, the very first Metroid game I played was Metroid 2, Return of Samus, on the Game Boy, <laughs> actually. And that was almost made it more confusing because it was already this embedded world that I was already supposed to kind of understand based on the original Metroid. Um, yeah, but that was a, that was like a, kind of a departure from what Yoshio Sakamoto... Ah, uh, the guy. And, ...and friends came to do. Now, Sakamoto is the most important dude in this episode, so we should definitely lay his name down mm-hmm. right away. Hired to Nintendo in 1982, right out of art school. He designed pixel art for Game & Watch, so obviously he was kind of working under Gunpei Yokoi. Mm-hmm. Um, then he, uh, for NES, he designed Wrecking Crew, and then Balloon Fight and Gumshoe. I, I have a I have a story about uh, Wrecking Crew. Oh, uh, yeah? It was the first game that he was designing by himself. There was a kind of a difference of philosophy. While uh, Shigeru Miyamoto wanted each, each part of his team involved in each other's parts so that, like, the programmers could let the illustrators know, like, the system's limits, and the illustrators can see how level design works so they can adapt. Gunpei Yokoi told his art team to just shoot for the moon, and, like, if you have a good idea will figure out how to make it happen. And that's kind of been Metroid's mantra, right? I mean, they've always tried, and that's what I love so much about what, what we'll get to later with Metroid Prime. 
that they always really strove to take big risks and just completely flip the script, which is what makes it so hard for super fans because every super fan just wants like another super Metroid, you know? Mm-hmm. But they are constantly, especially with Metroid, striving to because they never thought it was going to be like a huge hit. I feel like that's why it was like this was like their experimental place. Mm-hmm. And so there was always a sense of kind of like, all right, how do we flip the script? How do we make this unique? How do we make this new for now, for today? Um, and they a lot of times succeeded. So Yoshio Sakamoto working on his first new game, Wrecking Crew. You know, this is his big shot. Shigeru Miyamoto is shown a uh, prototype of the early game and just, you know, in his classic smiling way, just goes, yeah, just make the main character Mario. He's easier to draw. And leaves. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why Wrecking Crew stars Mario. (laughs) That's so bizarre. Uh, Sakamoto was also part of a a secretive team within R&D1 called Team Shikamaru, Mm. which uh, stands for Deer, the Deer Team. And that elite squad ended up, along with uh, Makoto Kano, ended up coming up with a lot of like very niche Nintendo franchises, such as Kid Icarus, uh, Metroid, uh, Famicom Wars, which is Advance Wars, which is like... Beloved, these are yeah. all game series that have. Kid Icarus hard- is so weird. Kid Icarus is just the weirdest. I feel like all every iteration of it, it's just always that weird bastard stepchild of Nintendo. Yeah, you know. Um, a, a little known fact: Metroid and Kid Icarus built on the same engine. Ah, and Mikato Kano, by the way, he created the scenario for Metroid. That's his credit credited as Kano. Also, um. We've talked about this last episode in our Castlevania stuff, but Yoshio Sakamoto went by under the aliases Yamamoto or Shikamoto. So if you see him in the credits of different games, and that's because they always hid the actual name of the people involved in the games, uh, trying to protect them from headhunters and stuff. It's kind of fucked up. It's a really shitty practice with a lot of Japanese game devs back in the day because, you know, we we had to go back and kind of find out who these actual people were because they were all uh, in code names in the credits. Oh, and uh, another Another thing that I want to make sure we get out about Yoshio Sakamoto, who, like, except for a few uh, exceptions, has been involved seriously in the creation of almost every Metroid game that has come to pass. He has his handprints all over all like the weird shit that Nintendo puts out. Yeah. Like I looked at his at his actual like resume, and there's so many like weird little Nintendo hits that I love. Like he worked on Tellero Boxer for the Virtual Boy, which was that weird robot boxing game, which yeah. I believe was the best game on Virtual Boy. Uh, he worked on WarioWare. Yeah, he, which is awesome. WarioWare is amazing and totally crazy. He also worked on Rhythm Heaven, which huh. might be one of my favorite music games ever made. Fuck, is that on DS? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's Rhythm Heaven. Uh, right, w- you were playing it the other day. I need to get that desperately. Uh, yeah, they've they've uh, Rhythm Heaven DS. There's Rhythm Heaven Gold. There's awesome. It's uh, and uh, on top of that, he made Tomodachi Life and Mitomo. Wait, that's um, you know, Mitomo, the phone game we all played for exactly yeah, one month, yeah, and like, then forgot forever. Yeah, like this last year, right? Or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was um, but so like it's weird that he has all these like bizarre little goof troop games, but also Nintendo's most intensely serious franchise. Let's lay down another one of the great things about this series: protagonist revealed to be a woman only if you beat the game in under five hours. Oh, uh, this is such this like I I swear we're gonna lose listeners every time I open my gob about this. How do you feel about Samus being a woman and that being a big reveal? Um, I mean, I think it paved the way for a female protagonist. I mean, it being like a whoa, whoa, whoa moment is definitely a sign of the times, but the fact that, you know, they they kept with it. It's also funny, too, by the way, she's referred to as he in the translation of the manual, so mm-hmm. they were trying to make it this big secret surprise. Also, it was very nonchalant. They said partway through the development, one of the developers asked the others, hey, wouldn't that be kind of cool if it turned out that this person inside the suit was a woman? So, I mean, it's just very, it seems kind of like very, like, blasé. It wasn't like, all right, we're going to make a game, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of this game, like, you know, it wasn't like no, their it's, initial it's shit. it's revolutionary that uh, it just kind of, for a bunch of literal children in the 1980s uh kind of like a a little sideswipe that like hey you know the the role of hero isn't intrinsically male yeah that like the the person that gets things done the person that you are acting through the person that like grows and overcomes isn't by default a man that's interesting now what happens if you beat the game even faster 
what does happen? Turns out she's in a bikini. Yes, that's right. She's in like a leotard. Or, she's yeah. in a leotard if you beat right. it kind of fast. If you beat it really fast, va-va-voom, boys, get a look at those maracas. <laughs> Remember, yeah. kids, you can be anything, but also get a load of these hot potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you typed in Justin Bailey, the code would allow you to just immediately play as her in the leotard, I believe. Yeah, actually, I never quite understood how that worked in Japan because I don't know if we mentioned this. Originally, it was a game on the Famicom Disk System. Yes, Famicom Disk System. Well, I can take ki- your floppy drive to a convenience store and download a new game. So I, I had to dig kind of deep to find this Justin Bailey origin story. All right, okay. some people said Bailey was the slang for bikinis in Australia <laughs> or something, and that's why. Other people said it was a, one of the game devs, which is not true. It turns out that there's actually several different. Co- Codes one could enter. It's all based on the weird code system yeah. that the oh, game is. So there was a ton of different codes you could enter to get the the <laughs> play as uh, her without the suit on. So it just actually is a weird coincidence because there's a bunch of other variations on the code. But just somebody must have. What one article alleged was maybe someone just used their own name mm. and was surprised to find that it worked and then they pass that information around everybody it's just a crazy I mean, fluke n- what's narpus sword or whatever gets yeah. you infinite ammo and health it's, it's just a crazy fluke apparently which is nuts to me that a, a fluke would spell out a f- name that sounds so generic but apparently it has actually not no actual relevance uh, which is very weird i hated password systems and all the bit games yeah, absolutely because you would you would die and it'd be very sad and you're like through the tears trying to write down the exact code of course. but like is that an uppercase z or a lowercase z is that a zero or a capital o well then jake young can i interest you in metroid zero mission <laughs> yeah a remake <laughs> of metroid on the nes that had save booths New items, areas, mini-bosses, and you can even choose your own difficulty level. Hell, you should probably pick up on Game Boy Advance Metroid Zero Mission. I actually recently went back and played this game. Uh, I hear it's actually one of the best iterations it's of Metroid. It's pretty fucking great. How did you feel about the epilogue sequence where you're like Zero Suit Samus naked and alone I think, in, the, uh, in the Space Pirate ship? I think I gave. I think I stopped around the final boss fight. I think I gave up. <laughs> I think it was got too hard. Damn uh, it. You forced me. You forced my hand, Jake. That now it's... everybody knows. <laughs> now I have to go back and beat this thing. Apparently, that sequence is actually like terrible. Like people hated it. Like kills the vibe of the original game. You're like basically just cowering in corners, like waiting to hit people with your stun pistol. It's it's apparently not, I haven't touched it, huh. so I'm just like reflecting things that I heard while researching this. Now, episode. can we talk about a k- 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 crossover? A crossover. I'm doing too much of the jowl wiggle. I gotta slow that. Ridley Scott's Alien is credited as having a huge influence on Sakamoto in the making of this game. Now, obviously, if you're familiar with the games, you're familiar with Ridley. Uh, if if you're familiar with uh, the, the series, purple spooky dragon man. Yes, the purple spooky. Dragon Man, which is named after Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you actually told me before we started, you have a list of other relevant. Um... Do you mind if I get in on this? Oh action? my God! Who is that? Is that HR Geiger? It's me, HR Geiger. Oh, is it Geiger? From... I'm sorry, HR Geiger. Names are only things we use for screaming during sexual times. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I didn't know that. Uh, we are all beyond names. We just all give in to the feral moans <laughs> oh of my all existence. So, hey, what he- do you think of this chair I designed? It's made out of balls. I love how wrinkly it is. <laughs> I I worked very hard on the oh, wrinkles. Definitely, I could see. I could uh, very good craftsmanship. Can uh, I squeeze it? Oh, uh, please. Wow, that makes an interesting sound when you squeeze that chair. Fun fact, it's not water. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, let's just get to the list. Well, besides Ridley, which is the most you know famous one, uh, the grand antagonist of Metroid is Mother Brain, mm. a large computer system. And, yes. Uh, of course, in Alien, the mother computer is revealed to be the ultimate antagonist that purposefully coordinated the events on the Nostromo. Spoiler alert. Hey, it's an old movie. <laughs> 
Also, I'm becoming Italian now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Anyone familiar with my haunting works could easily see the influence of the Chozo statues oh, yes. littered throughout the game and how eerily they they mirror the uh, the engineer space jockey that I hand airbrushed with my own sweaty meat claws. Yes, I do remember that. Now, do you like the statues, uh, Giger? I'd, anything that reminds me of myself gives me intense sexual urges. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Very, uh, I don't even know if, I don't think that's Freudian. I don't know what that is. I am beyond Freudian. Yes. They, yes. Uh, throughout the game, there are several plot points that mirrors uh, the Alien sequels. For example, <laughs> Metroid 2 involves the extermination of alien Metroids on SR-388. Uh, clearly a reference to how the plot of Aliens is about exterminating aliens mm. on LV-426. Yes. The various forms and maturations that ultimately result in fighting a queen version oh. of the Metroids in Metroid 2. Uh, also, <laughs> Fusion in Metroid Fusion. Okay. Uh, clearly, obviously, beyond reproach, the fact that Samus is imbued with the genetic materials mm. of the Metroids mirrors that of Ripley becoming an alien hybrid. Oh, they know oh, so many similarities. <laughs> That's a lot of similarities. I like I barely scratched the surface, much like a prostitute scratches my back in exchange for several ghost dollars. Much like I scratched the balls on this ball chair. That one's for free. Feel used. Feel <laughs> free to you use so it. Thank you so much. I, just I have to go back to hell now. Okay, enjoy hell. I, I love it there. I bet you do. I'm so happy. That's wonderful. I hope there's a lot of creepy baby doll parts down there for you. Oh, you don't know the half of it, brother. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank back you so to much. Hell. Back thank to hell. Back with you. Thank have, you. Have a good one. Boners. Oh, oh boners. Oh, boy, that's a lot of goals. That's a lot of goals. <laughs> That's a lot of ghouls. Wow, that was frightening seeing him leave uh, through a portal getting pulled by a bunch of horrible demon ghouls. Are you back from the bathroom, Jake? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, great. What I miss? Oh, nothing. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> did you know that the word Metroid uh, mm. is a portmanteau of the word Metro, meaning a underground subway system, and Android, which was just whatever sci-fi-sounding words the team could think of. Yes, I do, but only because I also did hours of research on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, can we talk about Super Metroid? Well, I mean, you, you have to talk about Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. Okay, I played it on Game Boy. It was one of the first games I got. Um... And I was very confused by it. It's very hard. It's one of the only games in the franchise that Sakamoto had nothing to do with. What I will say is this. AM2R. That's what I'll say about this. All right? Have you heard about this? I've heard about it. AM2R, which stands for Another Metroid 2 Remake, developed by Milton Gausty under the pseudonym Dr. M64. It is a full update of the game, kind of like what they did with Metroid Zero Mission. Mm -hmm. It's like a full update of the game, but it's an indie dev who made it without Nintendo's blessing. It was on the Windows Store for like two days. <laughs> they got the fucking rights management thing, and they, yeah, they got the, they got the, the letter from Nintendo, the DMCA, and the, uh, but, uh, but it will live forever on BitTorrent, and it will live forever <laughs> on BitTorrent. Not, not that I am suggesting that you do something illegal, but like play this game. It's very good. Um, so if you do want the Metroid 2 Return of Samus experience, I probably wouldn't play the original Game Boy one because it's really old. It's it was it was in '91. Mm -hmm. It's like if you thought the Nintendo Metroid was clunky, this is clunky. The camera zoomed in way too far to get that like cool Samus sprite. Yeah. So you can't really. It doesn't feel like you're exploring. It feels like you're just kind of like fumbling around and just uh, the core of the gameplay is literally I mean, killing Metroids to bring a counter down. And it's just so hard without. Yes, that <laughs> counter's going down. Oh, it's so hard. And it's very confusing because I don't believe they had a map or if they did, it wasn't very good, you know? So yeah. it's it was very difficult. Uh, two big things that the game did do. The end of the game, you save the, instead of killing the last Metroid, you save the baby. Yeah. You save the baby Metroid. And it imprints on you. It and imprints it, on you. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on with motherhood mm -hmm. and the Metroids and Samus. There's a lot of deeper things going on with these story elements. Uh, there's just some really interesting themes about motherhood and about things like that. They were playing with with a female protagonist that I think is pretty fascinating. That is very much so drawn as well from the Alien franchise. Other thing that Metroid 2 did 
it gave the various suit the big dumb shoulder pads that we all know and the love. big dumb shoulder pads <laughs> on the various suit because they couldn't there were two different suits in the game they didn't have any way to mm-hmm. color coordinate those suits because there was game boy and you couldn't tell mm-hmm. uh so in order to fix it they gave one of the suits those giant shoulder pads and those stuck and they do look pretty badass and make uh samus look very unique in her awesome uh, ass suit do you know what uh blew my mind what the various suit got its name due to a translation error Ah. It's supposed to be the barrier suit. Oh. Because it protects you from acid and like other kind of environmental hazards. I can't wait to correct other nerds. No, it's it's that's the name now. No. It's the Varia suit. Yeah, I know, but I can't wait to still be like, um, 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 actually. <laughs> it's gonna be so much fun, Jake. Varia suit. <laughs> Varia suit. It's a me, it's a Varia suit. I don't know. It's just kind of funny that like the most iconic name, uh, the most iconic piece of gear I think right. that Samus has is in fact just like a weird mistranslation error. But finally, at long last, my god. Orin, they they're back in action, they're ready to party. The Super Nintendo has been out for years already and uh people are asking what's next and that's when they drop the motherfucking bomb. Oh my god, guys, released in 1994 for the SNES, directed and written by Yoshio Sakamoto, produced by Kano, and I am talking about the character from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that was a staff of 15 people and took three years all told. When when asked why the game took so long to make, Sakamoto responded, we wanted to wait until a true action game was needed and also to set the stage for the reappearance of Samus Aran. I'm talking about super fucking Metroid. One of the great, I, I'm going to argue to the death of it. One of the greatest games of all time. Come at me. Fight me, people. It's very, it's very revolutionary. I want to fight somebody about this. Please. It's everyone. It's universally acclaimed. Physically, I will fight you. Uh, oh, I know. You think it's Pilot Wing sixty four? We get it. It's a masterpiece. I'm just saying, Pocky and Rocky has its <laughs> has its value. Um, <laughs> now, one of the, the things that like set Met- Super Metroid from the get go, the opening is intense. Yeah. Like, the title screen with the baby Metroid surrounded by dead scientists yes. is fucking crazy. Very crazy. Like, in theory, those are, like, the first other humans you really see in these games, and they're just dead on the ground. And the whole opening, I mean, you get you get the text, you get the story, uh, oh, you know. That, wait, the voice lines? Yeah, yeah. Wait, can you look up Super Metroid opening voice lines? Because, like... For all the rev- like, I guess we're doing the exact same thing we did with uh, Symphony of the Night. Some of these revolutionary Metroidvania <laughs> games have shitty voice acting. Yeah. In it. The last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, okay. Fine. But once we get into the actual game itself, it is a brilliant masterclass in how to communicate the fundamentals of the game via a tutorial that is wordless and straight up just inherent in the game design. You start off, you're in a vertical space a very tight tunnel and you have to go down which immediately pushes upon the player hey be cautious take your time learn the fundamentals of these jumps make your way all the way down then you start you move through a passage that is horizontal that forces you to do more platforming though because you have to jump up the stairs and whatnot you move into a space where the first thing you see holy shit there's a bunch of dead people you move into another space holy shit there's the metroid wait you cannot hit the metroid why why can't you hit the metroid holy fuck the first enemy in this game is a boss fight is fucking (laughs) ridley the first fucking thing and then once you kill ridley which by the way teaches you exactly how to shoot upwards shoot at an angle everything about that boss fight is dodging and shooting at angles which is another thing they're trying to teach you very early on and then boom time sequence to get the fuck out Are you kidding me? Time sequence? You have to run out of there as fast as humanly possible. The game teaches you a zillion lessons in uh, the first few minutes of it and it perfectly primes the player. This game is used in countless courses on game design as the gold standard on how to get information across without very much text at all. There's some text right when you just pick up an item. It'll mm-hmm. just tell you how to like u- use the item or equip the item essentially, but that's it. It, it perfectly constantly places the, the obstacles in your way and then gives you the solution right after. And as you said right before we started, it also 
makes you feel like an absolute genius mm -hmm. for like things that we all as players experienced at the same time. So obviously you're not the only one, you know? Uh, a lot of game designers talk about a flow state. And the, and the idea of flow state is that you're being challenged, but you're not bored. Yeah. And you're so like, you're not getting frustrated. You're not hitting a wall, but you're just constantly at this perfect like RPM, like fourth gear, just zooming through, even though like, even though you're also exploring and also you're like trying to figure stuff out. So Super Metroid ideally does that. But if you do want to be more meticulous, they give you stuff like the X-ray scope. You can like find extra power-ups that yeah. you don't necessarily need to beat the game. To keep you coming back always. Mm. I mean, it's really hard to actually meticulously go through and completely 100% the game. The map does a really wonderful job of showing you kind of what you basically need to do. But it also hides things from you in like the best way. Also, just like... With the flow state, the constant receiving of rewards mm -hmm. in like the perfect way, you're constantly picking up upgrades because they're such they're 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 incremental. It's just always giving feeding your brain that that little loop, mm -hmm. that little uh, reception loop uh, where you're just always feeling like yeah, I'm getting stronger, I'm getting through this. By the end of the game, you're a certifiable badass. Mm -hmm. uh, that was another thing that the original Metroid did is that power ups weren't about short boosts; they were permanent improvements to your abilities which makes you feel awesome every single time you get a new one it's just like yes it keeps you alive it keeps you going did super game. metroid have the grapple beam was yes it had the grapple beam it had shine spark i mean it had the greatest upgrade in any game of all time double jump uh <laughs> you, you can't screw ask for attack. anything better than double jump jump screw attack all the, uh, it it just constantly came up with new ways to traverse areas that you would get to the point where you're like, how do I even traverse this? Like, I don't even understand. This is like something. And then it would give you that weird sprint jump move <laughs> where you like would run and then you start running like faster than the speed of light. And then you just leap up and you, your head would just <laughs> bolt into the ceiling. It was like, what the fuck? That yep, stuff was yep, so yep. good. Uh, there were also incredible boss fights. Uh, I mean, I remember losing to Krokemeyer at my friend's house because I didn't realize that like you just had to push him into lava Yeah, he's yeah. a dummy. Yeah. But uh, everyone talks about Kraid. Yeah, Kraid. Because uh, he was in the first game. He was one of the only two bosses. In, well, three if you count Mother Brain in the first game. Mm -hmm. Motherfucker's huge. Yeah, giant. He was very, he was tiny, little tiny chubby guy in the first game. <laughs> he's like a giant half a screen size in uh, Super Metroid. I, and uh, the, uh, what's the deal with the, with like the weird statues of the bosses after you defeat them? So uh, you go, which I love. it's a really haunting image. I loved that moment in the game. You find that really early on. Mm -hmm. So you get a glimpse glimpse of all the bosses in this really creepy room like very early and you're like what is this and i remember okay by the way all right we should share our own personal story of playing these games for me it was a very enthusiastic friend i was i got emulators in college uh -huh. and a very enthusiastic friend was like you have to play super metroid he turned me on to two games shining force uh, for the Sega Genesis, which I love, um, and that's probably why I love Fire Emblem now, and Super Metroid. He was just like, let's do it, and he sat Dude, with me. Dude, it's amazing. If you die, your clothes fall off. It's fucking sexy, yeah. bro. He sat with me. Every night, we would we would make more progress in the game, but he wouldn't give me any hints or anything. So I remember when I hit that room, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so weird. This is like, what are these guys? And then you don't realize what that room's all about until after you fight the first boss. And then you come back to that room, and you see that one of them has changed, is now in color mm -hmm. or whatever. And you're like, oh, this is like a key system. Once that, once you beat all the bosses, they all those bosses light up, and then you can move into the final and fight Mother Brain. So that's actually where... You're, like, right above Mother Brain when you find that room, like, super early in the game. And, again, another thing about this game that's so amazing is their wonderful use of backtracking to explore and get to new areas. And they do a really good job of signifying and implanting in your head a door or something that's just like, oh, my God. I need to get into that. That looks crazy. That door looks crazy. There's some crazy alien mouth opening, and I, I can't reach it. But you, you, it, it, so when you do get the upgrade that would allow you to go back there, it's the designers created an image in your head like, oh yeah, I bet I can get into that fucking place now. Like they did such a good job of promoting sort of memory tricks to kind of get you to go back to these new areas and um, just map building, you know, creature design. Uh, every everything about this game is just so on point. Everything was a little bit drippier. I yeah, remember. it was like it was a, it was there was a, there were horror elements. 
legit horror elements. Oh, yeah. Very in an much age so. before real horror games for the most part. Very much so. And so I have to say this. Anybody listening, if you can get a copy of Super Metroid, if you can find a way to play that game, it somehow hold, it holds up like a it's the it's the Symphony of the Night of the Metroid <laughs> Freddy series. It's that game that holds up like a motherfucker that you should absolutely go back and play if you've never played it before. Um were the how many Metroids were there actually like monsters? Is it just the baby at the end? Is the baby uh, in, still the last Metroid? In Super Metroid? Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, I, hmm, I don't want to get this wrong. Actually, I could be wrong. You might have to fight a bunch leading up to Mother Brain, but the baby implanted on you, it takes place directly after Metroid 2. Right. The baby implants on imprints. you in Metroid, imprints, sorry, on you in Metroid 2. So, um, Super Metroid, it remembers you. That's why it starts, like, killing you, and then it remembers who you are. We forgot to mention that, like, the Metroid enemy is such a goofy jellyfish design. Yeah, yeah. But from a gameplay perspective, they're terrifying. It's the worst. It just attaches your head and just won't let go. Because everything else in Metroid, the original one, like, it bopped you. It bopped you when you lost health. It it hit you. It shot at you, whatever. And the Metroid would just come zooming across the screen with, like, a really, like, line of sight homing uh, pattern. And then it would latch onto you, and instead of hitting you, you would just see your head. Like, it was feeding off your life force. I just didn't even think about how similar that is to the face grabber oh, yeah. alien baby in Alien. That's I just didn't even make that fucking Oh, connection. shit, I forgot. Oh, no, Geiger, no. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, we, Geiger, no. Do we go into the ending? Because that's, like, a legendary thing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, you you fight Mother Brain. Um, are you talking about the part where the Metroid comes in and helps you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's uh, uh, you, a, a you wonderful. fight Mother Brain. Turns out Mother Brain has a sick, gross body. Yeah. And uh, kicks your ass. Yeah. And uh, then the Metroid comes in and helps you and powers you up, right? Doesn't it you give you power? You get the hyper beam. Yeah. And you can just destroy it. And then another crazy ass time sequence mm-hmm. um, where you can actually sidetrack and save the animals. Uh, and that's where I would definitely want to bring up the speedrunning community for this game is unbelievable. Uh, I highly, highly recommend looking up this YouTube video. It's called World Record Progression su- colon Super Metroid. World Record Progression Super Metroid is a wonderful recap of the whole kind of speedrunning history of this game. This is one of the biggest games to speedrun, probably the second biggest under Mario 64. It's it's absolutely massive. Every year they do big speedruns of it on Awesome Games Done Quick. If you don't know what that is, look it up. It's a charity event that all the speedrunners do. Um, every year they do it twice a year actually they also do summer games done quick we're probably going to do a whole episode on speed running at some point but uh, just just in brief there's a whole inside joke with saving or killing the animals which mainly came from the fact that this one dude at one point like blew the world record <laughs> out of the fucking water and also saved the animals <laughs> which is a detour that you have to yeah, make yeah. which takes more time but just as a Fuck you. He fucking did it. And so now it's like a big thing. You know, they always say save the animals or save the pixels if you don't save the animals. And that's always a big donation thing. And, um, Awesome games done quick. But, uh, yeah, I just can't recommend Super Metroid enough for anybody out there. Um, and and then after Super Metroid, there was an eight-year hiatus for the series. Now, I have a big respect for this hiatus. Uh, really? Jake, yeah, I have a big respect for this looking back on it. Because apparently, they just didn't have a strong enough idea for the N64. That's what they said. Also, what's hilarious to me is that Sakamoto straight up just said he wasn't interested in doing it because he – couldn't figure out how to make something for that console's controller. That he straight up said, I just couldn't imagine how it could be used to move Samus around. He just hated the controller so much. He was one of the many people who hated that controller with such a gusto that he was like, I'm skipping this console generation. That's actually kind of interesting because, like, you know, so many of those franchises at the time failed to make the jump to 3D. Yeah. There's littered co- Earthworm Jim, like yeah. Gex, you know, all these shitty 3D adaptations just because people were doing it for the sake of doing it and the hardware just wasn't there to really make these visions come true. Well, and this is, again, another testament to Super Metroid. They approached another company to make an N64 Metroid and that other company was like, you know what? 
we can't we can't <laughs> do it we cannot make a game that could equal super metroid fuck it and so they literally just didn't make one for the 64 which i love because yeah i think that it would have probably been trash it probably would have been a castlevania 64 situation mm. um you know where it just it would have been this bad weird 3d thing and the fact that they waited eight years and then we get this crazy story this uh of a one uh, two pu- oh 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 yeah where are we going? Oh, oh, yeah. 2002 was a good year for Metroid. 2002 was a very good year for Metroid. Um, so this studio, we got to talk about Retro Studios. <laughs> and Jake said he's got some really fun tidbits for me. I did it. I did a solid amount of kind of uh, homework on these guys, but I don't think I know what you know. They were uh, based in Austin, Texas. They were a studio rebranded. They used to be Iguana Studio, right? Or was it Iguana? or um, Iguana yeah. Entertainment. Which uh, I feel like most people recognize from the opening logos of NBA Jam for Genesis and uh, Super Nintendo. They didn't create NBA Jam, but they ported NBA Jam to consoles. So you always remember that, like, iguana with, like, sunglasses on. It was, like, this really tacky logo. It's super 90s. Like, the entire studios might as well just be 90s. Like gaming, the company. Yeah, they had uh, iguanas in the lobby and all this craziness. They made uh, like the shitty Sonic knockoffs, Arrow the Acrobat, N Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel. Uh, they made um, Turok. They oh well, they did make yeah, they made Turok, which was one of the only uh, like shoot 'em up games besides GoldenEye first person shooters. I'm sorry, yes. first person shooters for N64. They and- did that horrible South Park game. Oh, they did that South Park game is they did that awful FPS in sixty four South Park game. We're like you, it was so luckily just just hours of throwing snowballs at turkeys and thankfully too because it was so bad that Matt Stone and Trey Parker said, you know what, if we're gonna we'll never do another game unless we write it ourselves, (laughs) which is great. They also (laughs) did Iggy's Wrecking Balls. (laughs) <laughs> Iggy's Wrecking Balls. It's now, a racing game. Is that connected game. to Wrecking Ball Crew? Is that No, uh... <laughs> it's just the shittiest racing game in the world, and uh, it's only played by stoners who downloaded every N64 ROM at once <laughs> off BitTorrent. So um, Jeff Spangenberg Jeff is the Spangenberg. name of the gentleman who uh, was the head of Iguana and then later uh, Retro, which Retro Studios is just the name that they took on once they formed a partnership with Nintendo to make first-party uh, games for them and their GameCube. Yeah, and it was kind of this amazing group of American developers. There were people from id, there were people from... So it was uh, Texas, so, yeah. you know, it was the whole... There was this whole gold rush in Texas because of id. Mm-hmm. Every All these software devs started moving to Texas all of a sudden to recapture what Doom had going. And uh, here's the thing, though, is Jeff Spangenberg... Uh, we talked about how, like, in a lot of ways, 90s devs were just a bunch of horny college kids with too much money. Jeff Spangenberg is the ultimate horny kid with too much money. Uh... <laughs> As they committed more and more to Nintendo games, there was more reports of crazy parties in the office. There were more reports of uh, games running wildly over budget with no direction. Uh, they started getting all these bad press leaks about uh, Retro Studios, and uh, they were like getting increasingly paranoid about leaks. So like all the employees were like constantly monitored. There were these like rumors coming up that Jeff Spangenberg was like down to in some down and dirty shit. And uh, of the five games that they were committed to make for the GameCube, basically Nintendo had to come in and just be like, all right, fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. We can kind of work with this. Miyamoto basically found a uh, third-person action game that they were working on. Yes, it was literally called Action Adventure uh, because they didn't have an actual name for it yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other games were called Car Combat. These are all like demo names or whatever, fake names. Uh, Car Combat, obviously they were making a Twisted Metal. Uh, NFL Retro Football. Mm -hmm. and Ravenblade, an RPG. Miyamoto walks in, was horribly disappointed with everything that he saw except for the action-adventure game engine Mm -hmm. that uh, they had. And he said, hey, all right, cool. Let's use this to make a new Metroid game. Now, uh, Spagenberg, Jeff Spagenberg, um, Spangenberg, sorry. Spangenberg. uh, Was forced out of the company. Nintendo basically bought him off and let him go. Uh, after incriminating photos of him in a drunken state surrounded by nude women uh, ah. surfaced all over the internet, <laughs> which uh, most dishonorable. And so he went on to form Top Heavy Studios. Uh, you might remember Top Heavy Studios <laughs> because they made 
The Guy Game. Oh my God, they made The Guy Game? The, the Guy Game. Oh. There is a direct line between wow. Metroid Prime and The, the Guy Game. If you, you haven't heard of The Guy Game, just look it up. Funny story about The Guy Game. It uh, had the unfortunate uh, stroke of luck to legally be child pornography and was <laughs> taken off the shelves. Wait, why? Because there was an underage girl taking her top oh off. Oh my Jesus. <laughs> Oh my God! It's also disgusting. it's just cringeworthy. It was just like I mean we ha- we still have games now like like of of the like, but there was a time in the '90s especially where there were just a lot of dirty old man games. Mm-hmm. Just a very BMX XXX BMX XXX. <laughs> oh my God! There's so many. What's the plumber one? Oh, pl- uh, that was a little bit earlier, but that's plumbers don't wear ties. Plumbers don't wear ties is unbelievable. Why do I know trashy. about all these horny games? <laughs> Shit. Maybe it's your daily occupation has you look weird stuff up like. <laughs> Like that true um they started working on metroid prime they paired it down to i think like eight nine members um during the final nine months the team worked for for 80 to 100 hour work weeks because they, nintendo they worked alongside nintendo yes. uh, nintendo with r and d one and uh what was the other one ead they worked with ead and r and d one there it was very hands-on with like all these different mm-hmm. entities so uh nintendo just casually dropped like these deadlines that were Normal by overworked, horrifying Japanese salaryman standards, yeah. but by Austin party dude standards was a bit much. Very difficult. And they were really just trying to make, okay, it's if you haven't played Prime, when people saw it was going to be an FPS Metroid and all this, everybody was like, what? You know, that's not Metroid or whatever. I remember when I finally got my hands on it um, in college, they did such an incredible job of, I think it's that moment when you first become the ball. Mm-hmm. It's that moment when you go from first person because when you become the ball, like in in all Metroid games, they, the camera goes from first person view to third person view. You become the ball, like jump down through a tube. It's really fun to control, really awesome, and and then you pop back in, and then that smooth flow back into first person. That sounds like something you know you might see more often today. But that kind of shift in perspective and mm-hmm. kind of smooth gameplay was phenomenal and you were like oh my god they actually did it they found a way to translate these sort of the things that we love about this game the exploration the really cool enemies the you know you know scanning to like find out more information about things um all, all these all these um, new updated upgrades mm-hmm. to to what the 2D side scrolling uh, action w- was like they they fucking nailed it it's a point of interest to say that uh, Nintendo and Retro uh, made made it explicit that this was not a first person shooter. They would always refer to it as a first person adventure. Yeah, and uh, that was actually kind of rare at the time. Rare being a different game. Rare company. being a completely different um, game company. <laughs> uh, the uh, a lot of people talk about how the art direction uh, gave it a. This is kind of a cause the GameCube even back then was a underpowered console compared to the uh, Xbox and the PlayStation Two. And yet, uh, thanks to Art Direction that kind of understood the hardware's limitations, they still put in incredibly compelling visuals and like a lot of visual flourish that impressed people. That's why when you were going off about Super Metroid, there are grown adults in their 20s right now that say Metroid Prime is one of the greatest games at all time. That yeah. like gave mm-hmm. them that exact same holy shit moment totally. playing with their you know purple lunchbox machine and getting an incredibly immersive deep adventure out of it. I think they um also meta Ridley. <laughs> I th- yeah, I think they were able to accomplish this in a lot of ways because of their um their approach which was to make the actual levels themselves not super challenging in terms of enemies. Mm-hmm. The challenges came into figuring out where to go, what to do next, therefore pushing that exploration. And then the actual like f- shooting combat challenges were really during the boss fights. Yeah. So they purposely made the enemies not as hard when you're kind of just traversing the world because they wanted you to enjoy the exploration more. They wanted you to get into that headspace that Metroid has always excelled in, which is let's explore this world and find the secrets held within it. And 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 we're not getting our ass kicked quite as hard um, while we do so. But then once we fight a boss, they made bosses the kind of events that you know you really see in like Oracle of Time. You know, like that like. Mm giant bosses big epic battles you know with these huge bosses ocarina of time 
What did I say? Oracle of Time. Ah, well, that's a good one too. It's a, it's. I mean, it's Oracle the best. of Ages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the there's kind of a tension in the Metroid series that like, what is the core fun of Metroid? Is it like the solitude and exploration, or is it being a badass in a power armor, like literally firing like spacer beams and ice beams and just rocking people's shit with super missiles? Mm-hmm. And uh, Metroid Prime really focused back on that on that exploration idea. Now, on the exact same day the Metroid Prime came out, another game came out um, in November of 2002 called Metroid Fusion. Now, I, uh, for anybody looking for the Super Metroid experience in a new way, uh, uh, the kind of update to it, who, and it was and it was uh, Sakamoto's game, mm-hmm. just like Super Metroid and, and Metroid before it. Um, it's on the Game Boy Advance. Now, I was fortunate enough to have a buddy in college named Tim Dean. Uh, I have to mention his name if I'm talking <laughs> about Metroid because he was he's such a huge Metroid fan. I hope he's listening to this. He lent me his Game Boy Advance and Metroid Fusion, and I was like absolutely hooked again. If you have, I, I know it. I believe it's on the Virtual Console on the 3ds i'm not sure if it's on virtual console on like the wii u or switch but i highly recommend if you can get metroid fusion if you're looking for a new metroid experience that is a 2d side scroller and you haven't played this game you will absolutely love it over time actually fusion's gotten kicked around a little mm-hmm. yeah I, I yeah because it's a little handholdy it's got super the computer character the computer yeah is introduced and it's uh you it's know kind of like go here next now explore here yeah yeah it gives you a discrete list of objectives and it will uh, kind of tell you, like, as soon as you're done with one thing, like, hey, do this thing now. Uh, it's very, like, it, it goes into a lot of, like, lore and characterization. Like, you know, the reason why the X-Parasites are around is because uh, the Metroids that you killed in Metroid 2 were their natural predator, and now they're, like, overwhelming the planet. Uh, you know, they get rid of Samus's powers because her suit got infected, and now, like, her infected suit, the SAX, is hunting her down. Mm. Uh, actually, people like the SAX, right? It's kind of that weird, like, uh, hunter and prey kind of deal. Makes you feel powerless. Uh-huh. Totally. Half yeah, the that story was of tough. Metroid is half the story of uh, just finding reasons for Samus to lose all her powers yeah, again. Yeah, completely. I mean, I have to I say. I think in Metroid Prime, she just bonked her head real hard, yeah. and her suit just, like, kind of stopped working right. I have to say. For me, it's almost like, just like the the with the music, uh, mm-hmm. the lack of music really was what made the game so interesting and so kind of mysterious and kind of kept you going. And then when you would hear a sound like that item finding sound, like like when you heard that, it was like, holy shit, you knew something powerful happened, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing with kind of the lack of plot in the earlier games made it really fascinating, you know? Discovering things within the environment, just kind of... Putting your own, making your own connections about this alien world, which is why I think, and we'll talk about this, of course, also with uh, Other M, when they started added deeper plot elements, I was kind of, I don't know, I think people would really get upset about the interpretation because they built up Samus to be something specific in their head, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I think they kind of adding that and adding more of a handholdy nature definitely made it difficult. I think it was more like, oh, my God, the map looks like it did in Super Metroid. The traversal is like it was in Super Metroid. The but fusion suit new looks games. cool. The fusion suit looks cool. Um, there were just in some new guns and some new maneuvers and stuff like that that were really fun. But, yes, uh, looking oh. back, it was probably too handholdy. That said... I remember just like loving it on Game Boy Advance, and I think it was more just because we were so damn thirsty mm. for it. You know, it had been fucking a decade or more since uh, Super Metroid had come out. And uh, if you used the uh, the weird expansion connector between the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance, uh, yes, you could play Metroid Prime in the Fusion Suit. Yeah. Which is pretty sweet. But now let's really talk about probably the most important game in the series, right? I mean, you said this before, Jake. This was your one of your favorite games of all time. Metroid Prime Pinball. Metroid Prime Pinball is the, I would say, the, it would be the Magna Carta of video games. <laughs> or perhaps the Declaration of Independence. Now, it is, I called it the Sonic Spinball of the Nintendo DS. And I call you a filthy whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> How I know. dare you please compare stop doing that the in public. elegant... Perfect, near, near godlike gameplay and character progression of Metroid Prime Pinball for the Nintendo DS 
<laughs> to some stupid spinoff like Sonic Spinball. <laughs> Maybe Pokemon Pinball. Maybe Pokemon that Pinball. That Kirby Pinball game was Kirby Pinball was also radical. That was pretty rad. That was on the Game Boy. That was pretty sick. Uh, Metroid Prime Pinball was just a legit, like, cool pinball game with some really good graphics. And you basically reenacted the plot of Metroid Prime and you fought the bosses and... Uh, some t- and the ball itself was Samus in morph suit form. So if you like powered her up and like got her into a specific spot, she would unfurl and like unload her missiles on stuff. That's it was awesome. Cool. It was cool. Metroid Prime Two Echoes. I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than the game game mechanics back when I played it at least annoyed the fuck out of me. The with, light like, world, dark world yeah, stuff nobody liked. Drove me crazy. It, it people seems. I think it was an artificial way to like uh, lengthen the gameplay with just with the same assets. Yeah. Like, no, 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 this is a different, it's spooky, this room. Well, it's, it's a different room. Well, it's always, too, it's like, you know, they're like, oh, we want to do something different with the sequel, and uh, this happens so much with franchises, mm-hmm. but the tweak they make, like the one big idea they had, is just makes it more annoying. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those where it's like, Bioshock 2, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. Some people like Bioshock 2, but I was like, oh, I was thinking about playing it, and they were like, the entire game is like a really annoying escort mission. I was like, <laughs> absolutely not, never mind, I'll never play that game, you know, and and that's kind of like what this felt like. It was just like the the getting hurt in the dark world and having to like run from safe point to safe point just got really annoying really fast. Um, but it was critically acclaimed at the time. And it moved forward the Phazon saga. <laughs> Holden, don't tell me you don't care about Phazon. Oh, my Lord. Phazon. Was that really like, I have no recollection. That was like the evil goopy goop that like right. ran through the entire uh, Prime series. And Metroid Prime 3 Corruption was pretty cool. I played it on the Wii. Kind of not very memorable, though. It uh, gave but at the, least it, it was better Wii, than it's 2. It's like only like real 3D, like FPS-like yeah. experience. Except for With like, the Wii mode, yeah. aiming yeah. with the motion controls, that whole fucking bullshit uh, that we all know. It was delayed, delayed, delayed because they were trying to get the motion controls working well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it closed out the Prime series. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I did remember enjoying playing it uh, on the Wii uh, when I lived with Bidden Kissel and was inebriated. I want to say 80% of the time I was awake. What? You were drunk in 2007? <laughs> I refuse to believe this. Um, But then that brings us to Metroid Other Rim, developed by Team Ninja. Now, I hate that we're bringing up Team Ninja in this light because this game was heavily criticized for a lot of things. Um, it wasn't necessarily like Team Ninja's best game, apparently. Maybe you liked I don't know. I just I never it, even played it. I never touched it, and I kind of just went along with, like, I think, uh, you know, at the time, at this point, by it's 2010. The internet was alive and well. Uh, you know, all the YouTube and, like, uh, you know, I, what am I, I'm thinking of Yahtzee at zero punctuation did, like, a famous, like, oi, crikey, fucking this game, quickity-quackity, like, bollocks <laughs> in your, in your ballsock. <laughs> you know, every shitty game reviewer of the era. And so, like, I kind of just disregarded it. Also, like, my Wii was already collecting dust. Um, so I just kind of disregarded it. I would watch, like... The, uh, you know, people would make videos showcasing how bad the voice acting was, and the voice acting was really bad. Uh, the, uh, okay, well, but, but doing research for this, there is a core of people that truly love this game. Cool. Which I, I looking back, I thought it was completely reviled and kind of, mm-hmm. uh, swept under the rug. But yeah, it does seem like it wasn't actually like a total shit show. There were just a lot of criticisms about the way the character of Samus was handled, and it wasn't like just, jamming awesome you know and and team ninja by the way team ninja formed a a division of tecmo formed in 1995 by tomonobu itagaki they made like (laughs) itagaki itagaki he's a guy we should do an episode about because he's had like such a weird like crazy career yeah ninja gaiden Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. Ninja Gaiden on the Xbox, right? It was Xbox. Team Ninja, yeah, that was they that was their big like hey there fuckers is like It that. was it is awesome. It's one of the one of the great like big challenge games. Mm-hmm. And then most recently a game that I fucking love. You can see a bunch of playthroughs of it uh on my Twitch page. But uh, or YouTube, but uh, uh, Neo. Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball. Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball is amazing. <laughs> did they do all of those games yes. for Dead or Alive as well? They did Dead or Alive, but they also did those like horny volleyball games. They horned it up. And uh, but Neo is fucking 
phenomenal. If you want like a perfect mixture between Ninja Gaiden and Dark Souls, Neo is so goddamn good. They just took the Dark Souls template and just twisted on it and made it really good. Made a really good Dark Souls game. Uh, I can't recommend that enough. But either way, um, they made Other M. And Other M was more linear, focused on more story. They had melee combat systems involved. Um, it was also on the Wii using the Wiimote. One cool thing that I didn't know about because I'd never played the game was uh, you played the Wiimote horizontally like a normal controller, but when you moved it to vertical, um, it would lock, go into a first-person mode, mm-hmm. and you could like shoot off missiles. You couldn't move or anything. That was really fascinating to me, or really it's such a cool kind of design. I mean, the core mechanic. of the game was built around the D-pad, so even though you were moving in a 3D space, it kind of like guided you along these very super Metroid-like hallways and environments here's here's what people hated uh i don't know what they did with the voice actor but like samus who i always imagined again we all have we all had our own internal samus because it's just it's basically you how about fucking ridley or Ripley from Alien, yeah. like something like that, like a strong. Even Ripley is just a competent woman on a spaceship. Yeah, that then like strips down at the end, and it's like, ooh, uh, she <laughs> likes her cat. Um, Sigourney Weaver, call me. I'll, I'll treat you so nice, Sigourney. All right, okay. Actress Jake. Sigourney Weaver, call okay, me. Hey, Jake. The voice that they give her in this game is so like lilting and bored. And it's like the game opens with this incredible CG. There's a lot of good CGI cinematics of Samus kicking ass and it recaps the end of Super Metroid and like literally hearing her describe is like, that was when I found the baby. Oh, uh, yeah. And she saved me from Mother Brain. Yeah, yeah. Where like, if you want to go with like an emotionless like professional voice that's like you know it's it's not a bored supermodel it's not like an instagram account it's like a soldier yeah you know it's 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 a hardened badass it's a bounty hunter that has seen entire planets get their brains liquefied by jellyfish monsters and again the sort of lack of talking just like in zelda just like Mm -hmm. um but especially with that game where it's really about the absence of noise the Mm -hmm. absence of of story in the past like just the lack of her uh, like her being a silent like noble mm. fucking badass just like dealing with this situation like there was something to that inventing it in our heads it was just it works better you know and then the core of the character development is all revolved around Adam Malkovich mm. which is way back in Metroid Fusion which Sakamoto helped write is like oh in my past there was a superior you know a commanding officer that I once really respected and it turns out they made his brain into my com- this is back in Fusion yeah his name was Adam Malkovich, and he's been my computer all along. That was, like, the big – it's a shitty reveal. Yeah. But now you're, like, meeting him, and, like, Samus is, like, literally in ga- – they always have to think of an excuse to get rid of her powers in every game. So, like, in this game, in Metroid Other M, she, like, refuses to use powers, including stuff that it's like, oh, I'm in a, and I'm in a lava room, but I haven't gotten permission to activate my – lava uh, barrier yet yeah weird so like it would always have she would always defer mm. to adam malkovich that was you know that was i understand that was an in-game mechanic but again right. it just it just felt so weird to people yeah it just didn't feel on on message also <laughs> if you uh the cutscenes are amazingly well done they also do a lot of cutscenes because the hardware is limited and people were uh, frustrated at that because they were unskippable sometimes they were like 15 minutes long and there yeah. was a lot of them it was very um the metal gear 2 of the franchise and i don't want to and i just talked about i just went an hour ago i talked about how much i love sakamoto's work and how he is responsible for some incredibly fun games like iconically singularly joyous moments in my life he is not a good writer the dialogue in that game is horrible there's like this like fun-loving black soldier guy that's supposed to be samus's friend and everything out of his mouth is a weird cliche from an 80s movie that like i think sakamoto just thinks sounds cool um yeah so that's other rim uh uh but i hear it's sometimes it's fun yeah (laughs) i hear the action gameplay's fun um and metroid prime federation force can go fuck itself so uh i was thinking we could give a few recommendations as we close out our episode on mm-hmm. Metroid because there's it inspired so many fantastic games. So if you are looking for a new Super Metroid experience, um, definitely uh, AM2R, another Metroid 2 remake, AM2R. Uh, try to find that somewhere uh, in the bowels of the internet in the deep web. Uh, but also... 
I can't recommend enough Axiom Verge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love that game. Just look at some of the still images from that game. Incredible pixel art. And it moves, and it's great, and there's a shitload of different weapons in it, and they're all different variations on different shooting methods. The puzzle solving is very similar. You get a very similar feeling to Super Metroid. You know what I really liked? And it kind of, it actually deviates from the standard Metroidvania uh, aesthetic, yet still perfectly encapsulates the gameplay. Uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. I wrote down Ori and the Blind Forest. You can I, find that for. I think it's been given away in like eighteen different humble yeah, bundles at this point. I need to get it actually because now that I have a PC, I can play it because I was a PlayStation oh, yeah, boy yeah. and it's a uh, Xbox. Xbox thing. Uh, yeah, I really want to play that. Absolutely stunning looking and very challenging from what I heard. Very uh, challenging platform sequences and things like that. It does a very good job of kind of getting frustrating and then you find the rhythm and you feel like a god. Another great one that kind of moves away from the aesthetic but nails the feeling and it's co-op. Guacamelee. Oh my god, Phenomenal. I wasn't going to talk about Guacamelee. Phenomenal ass. Yeah, no, play Guacamelee Metroid. first. Play, play it with your friend, play it yeah. with your with your girlfriend or boyfriend, play it. It's awesome, a couch co-op. And uh and and uh, the and it's they nail the Metroidvania style. Um and then uh, a game I'm dying to play, uh actually I have not gotten to play this one yet is Shadow Complex. Is uh, apparently just a phenomenal version <laughs> of a Metroidvania game. I've heard it like lauded by a lot of people I respect. Uh, uh, their opinions the on. the only thing I remember about Shadow Complex because I haven't played it yet, but uh, there is a there is a moment in the game where you actually like get back up to the top side, but your girlfriend has still been kidnapped. <laughs> and you have the option to just get into your car and leave. leave. Kind of like the Far Cry 4. <laughs> and they 4. play credits. <laughs> That's amazing. Kind of like the Far Cry 4. You can just like stay in the room and oh, wait yeah, for yeah. him to come back. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, anyways, do you have any others uh, off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, no, but it is a vibrant uh, uh, genre. Really come back in a big way the past few years. Owl Boy, that's Owl another Actually, uh, game I just, I just got that. Me too. I just bundle. started yeah. playing it. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Um, it's it's an excessive, like, they have solid rules, and it's if you're an indie game development studio, it's kind of like your second step. Yeah. <laughs> is to make a nice, solid Metroid Metroidvania. Game. So thank you so much for joining us for uh, our episode on Metroid. We hope you also uh, check out our uh, brother episode on Castlevania that came out last week if you want more of this kind of discussion. It's super weird that Samus is like this weird ogle babe thing also. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's super weird that they gave her the Zero Suit in Smash Brothers because, damn it, if I wanted to look at Samus's tatas, I had to work my ass off back in the day. Yeah. Now they're just giving it away. And have. that's not fair. Those boobs are mine. All right, Those boobs Jake. were earned, All and now right. it's just, oh, here you go, eight-year-old. Okay. Enjoy this butt. Okay. Next week's episode's on boobs. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, my name's Hold McNeely. I have a Twitch channel called Hold Nader, so come check it out. I am, I am now twitching, like, full-time, and we have a lot of fun. Uh, Jake? Uh, follow me on Twitter at BestJakeYoung. I also do stuff for Dorkly.com. Check us out on YouTube. And uh, the Drawfee channel also on YouTube yes. is where you can see, uh, you can hear me joke around with a bunch of talented artists as we uh, take your dumb ideas and make even dumber drawings. It's really good. It's really good. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.